0: This isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Hi, this is Mark O'Connell, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. That UFO Podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. Zencaster is a modern web-based solution for high-quality audio and video podcast production. With a full suite of professional tools, Zencastr allows podcasters to quickly and seamlessly record their guests remotely and produce their podcasts in studio quality. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Hi everyone and welcome to That UFO Podcast. As always, my name is Andy and first off, I want to say a big thank you to everyone who's joined up to the new Apple Podcast subscriptions in the last month. If you search the word premium on there, you'll find there's exclusive content from the likes of George Knapp, Ryan Bledsoe, David Marlar, there's an AMA with myself and Dan and a lot more as well. So so do check that out. There's a two-week free trial available just now. Don't forget, you can also get early access and ad-free listening as well. For those not on Apple subscriptions, you can get the same benefits plus a little bit more by signing up to patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast. And this month, there is a deal just for patrons to get a hold of a limited edition That UFO Podcast patch. They're being made to order, so please check that out. But as always, of course, the main thing is you are here, you are listening, whether it's through Patreon, Apple, Spotify, Podcast Addict, YouTube. Thank you very much for joining us. My interview with James Fox has been put back by one week, so I'll be speaking to James next week. That's the week beginning the 5th of July. So if you've sent in your listener questions, I've I've still got all of those as well. This week, though, my guest is a name that is relatively new to me. I recently watched her on Grant Cameron's YouTube channel and was fascinated by the discussion they were having. She's also fresh off of an appearance at this year's virtual contact in the desert and a very welcome fresh face to the field as well. Xiao Ma is a lawyer based in Australia. She was born and raised in China, uh, which I'm very much looking forward to discussing the China-UFO relationship, among many other things. Xiao, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, everyone. My is Xiao. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Andy.
0: No, it's, it's a real pleasure. And um, I like your fresh take on a lot of things. And again, you're you're, you're younger in this field and a lot of people who speak about the same sort of subjects as you, which is great. And it's great to have fresh faces and new people to talk to as well. And especially coming from a point of view of having that Chinese heritage and background gives you a lot of perspective that people are very interested in, especially at the minute. Um, just Want you to start off though, Shao? Can you start by giving the audience a little bit about yourself, your background, and what got you involved in the world of, you know, contact modalities and UFOs?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, as you know, that I'm a Chinese, I was born in China, Shanghai. So, and and uh, stayed in China for quite a few years, and then I went to Australia uh, for high school and uni. Uh, graduated from uni then uh, got a practicing license so now I'm a practicing lawyer based in Sydney and how that's that's basically my uh, single background so my parents are still in China just by myself Um, so how I got into this field is back in 2012 you know I was traveled to the uh, Brisbane office Uh, I joined a law firm so out of my office window I saw a UFO craft silvery color round ball the most common one that you normally can see from the youtube channels so uh It's just really shocked me during that time because, you know, I was really newbie in the UFO community. It's like, what's this? What's this all about? So this really, the UFO sighting really challenged my uh, paradigm in terms of uh, whether or not we really live in these 3D realities. Um, And then I start to look into the topic about UFOs, aliens and implants and things like that. Um, and then I came across a famous ufologist called Mary Rodwell's YouTube channel. And some of you may know that Mary is actually a very famous ufologist. And her message about, you know, the new incoming hybrid childrens and everything really striking me a lot. So, uh, and then that sort of like initiated me into the ufology community. So the first was through like UFO witnessing, you know, witness a UFO craft. A second was listening to quite a few like uh, uh, a YouTube as a channel and the presenters like Mary and like your platforms. So that's how I got into it. And later on a few years, I'm mainly based in Australia, you know, getting in contact with quite a few uh, uh, community members, um, know quite a few information. And what's funny is because I can speak Chinese, and I got invited by quite a few Chinese. Uh, uh, like uh, they got a, quite a big, uh, similar to like a YouTube platforms, you know, the the one that you are having right now, and like a Grant Cameron's one. So they said, "Shao, look, you can speak Chinese, and we heard all the things about what's happening in Australia. Why don't you jump on my show and talk about it?" So I was like, "Yeah, for sure." And uh, that's how everything started. I, uh, I I did quite a few. Um uh, being invited by quite a few people to do interviews in China, so I was very outspoken that time they considered me I'm talking about andy um back in two thousand and seventeen this or even earlier, so that time there are not many Chinese people who were willing to come out with real name, real occupation, real address, saying that this has happened to me due to political control. So that time was actually quite a big hit in the Chinese ufology. Oh my God, there's a lady based in Sydney. She's actually Chinese. She's talking about this. And after that, I've received hundreds of emails from the local Chinese saying, oh, my God, the message you talk about is really resonates with me because the information I share is a very grassroots level. You know, I uh, witnessed in a craft, I had a lucid dream, I have out-of-body experience, blah, blah, blah. And things just become bigger and bigger. So that's basically the background information about me. A Chinese came to Australia, had a UFO witnessing in, uh, encounters and gradually into the field. So uh, that's where I'm right now, so yeah.
0: No, that's great. And we're going to get to talking about your experiences and, and some of that sort of stuff as well. I want to talk, though, about about China and, and awesome. UFOs and ufology. Um, I, I've got a friend who's Chinese and I asked him a couple of weeks ago just and he, he's older uh, and I he's in his 50s. And I asked about UFOs and aliens. And, you know, do you talk about it? And he was like, not really. You know, growing up, he said, when your children you know you, you know about aliens and but as you grow older it's not something the adults talk about now what does ufology look like in china i know i've heard you say it's it's relatively new and a bit f- behind where the west is in terms of conversation yes. but w- what is it like growing up you know as a as a child then as you hit teenage years and then older how does that conversation change
1: Thank you. So when I was little, I always showed the interest into like alternative science, not just for the ufology. I guess for the younger generation, like my age, like 35-ish. So when we grow up, there are a lot of younger generation into alternative science, including like ufology, you know, like aliens and all sorts of counter modalities. So during that time, I'm talking about back in eighties or nineties. UFO community is so new. I don't think there's a such thing as a UFO community that time. So how people getting those information, um, it's actually prior to internet, you know, period. So we normally buy those like UFO books, you know, those like books you can buy. And mainly it's about UFO phenomena. You know, it was like a Billy Meyer was really popular that time with the Pleiadians, the Billy Meyer stories, and, you know, Adam, I can't remember Adam's last name, but it's a very popular case about Venetians, you know, alien from Venus. So we normally get those information not from the Internet at time, but from those books. And gradually when the Internet sort of, you know, became popular around 90s, people start to get some information about UFO community in the Western world. Like, for example, like your YouTube videos, what they do is they copy it. They put in the Chinese subtitle underneath and they put in the Chinese sort of like uh, a main internet website so that people can view it. Um, So a lot of, during the early stage, a lot of information are from the Western world. There's a very little information from China, there are quite a few very famous cases which we are. am more than happy to dive into deeply later on regarding you know a few famous cases in China, but that's about it. The true UFO community boom was happened like a few years ago. I would say around 2010 to 2020, those like 10 years, uh, where you see things starting to picking up, and even that's the case. China, from my perspective are still at least 30 years behind the Western um, ufology community due to, you know, lack of information, lack of disclosure movement, especially for the uh, political control, you know. So uh, that's the main issue.
0: So some of the listeners might not be aware of the difference between how the internet works in the West, where it's very much free and unrestricted, and you can just go on any website you want. In China, do you want to talk a little bit bit about how that's very different?
1: Yeah, so what happened to China is, for some people probably doesn't know, we have, it's called the internet firewall between China and the rest of the world. That means um, you can't use Google, you can't use Facebook. No Google, no Facebook, no YouTube, no WhatsApp, no Facebook in China. Everything is literally banned. So basically, if you carry your iPhone or laptop to China all those major websites cannot be used in China. Instead, you need to download an app called VPN in order to jump the firewall. But VPN is really difficult to get right now. So what I'm saying to the people is uh, it's, it's, the information does not flow freely. Like, you know, you can check the YouTube in UK or in Netherlands, whatever. In China, it's a total isolation in terms of um, those media information. Uh, but we do have the equivalent oh. softwares and website. Like, you know, we don't have Facebook, but we have, we have a very similar equivalent sort of Facebook-ish social media websites. And same as... And like- can I
0: just ask, are, are Chinese people aware of the fact they have these separate softwares which are very much able to be, I'm sure, controlled and monitored. I mean, let's be fair, I'm sure everything in the West is, is exactly the same, just to a different extent. It's controlled and monitored anyway. But yeah. are people in China okay with this, that they have their own bubble, almost, of, of social media and interaction? Or would they like that access to what the West has as well?
1: Yeah, look, it's, uh, it's beyond what we can control. It's out of our control as a civilian level. It's like you just have to come to accept to the reality that this is what's happening in China. What could you do? Like, to be honest, you know, it's in the CCP control. So uh, that's the reality that we have to live. People fully aware, consciously, 100% aware that they can't jump a firewall. Uh, that's, that's, That's what they can do. Like, they just review the Chinese news, I guess. A lot of news in China, actually, um, uh, from the Western world, but certain information can be, you know, edited a bit. So, uh, um, that's what's happening in China right now
0: and and you know what it's the same in the west as well we, we you can't say that in the west all the news is truthful and it's not edited and doesn't have a narrative so it's it's very much just a similar theme throughout the world as well but given what we're going to be talking about in terms of you know other dimensions and entities it's it sounds so petty and silly doesn't it that they have all these restrictions around the world and there's the potential to have so much more as a species and and hopefully that'll that'll change eventually I want to know though this is something that's interested me now I've heard in in China particularly when it comes to like Hollywood and movies Mm. there can be some quite strict controls on those as well including some paranormal movies if there's an ending of and this tell me if this is true if there's (laughs) an ending of a movie that turns out to be it's paranormal or a ghost that will be changed and edited for a Chinese audience is that correct
1: that's actually quite true you are correct so what happens is everything in china uh, you know follow the political control you know like it's from the um up to to down sort of like flow so regarding the movies and all those books it depends in what period so if we're talking about back in 2010 to 2015 And it's relatively open. So you get those like a ufology, like UFO aliens and Hollywood movies. It's all good and the ghosts things like that. But especially in the last two to three years, due to political control, those information that be considered as a sensitive information or even taboo. So that means uh, that's what I heard from a insider in the movie industry. Um, I can't be 100% for sure, but I'm pretty sure that's true. So what he say is, before, you know, you got those like uh, uh ghosts related movies, some like a thriller movie, but now those have been considered as supernatural. So in the last two years, they seem like have a more tightened screening process for you know uh supernaturals or like vampires or ghosts, and including alien movies. So you are correct about that. But it's only happened in the last two to three weeks, uh two to three years.
0: Sure. And what about on the news, given, uh, especially in the last year in the United States, the, the mainstream media has really picked up on the UFO topic. Just as we speak in the last few days, TMZ has has put a rather mainstream piece on UFOs. Uh, Discovery Channel hosted a live panel last night. And in a few weeks time, HBO Max has J.J. Abrams, famous director, doing a four-part docuseries on UFOs as well. Is that kind of content going to make the news in China that the US is having this sort of conversation openly about UFOs, especially at a government level? Does that does that resonate in China?
1: It's more or less in the smaller circle. So that news, yes, it's assimilated really well in the Chinese ufology community, but doesn't really hit the mainstream media that much. That's what I noticed because I went to the Chinese website a few days ago to check the major websites and internet and even news. They have a bit of mention, but not much. But the news actually spread around in our Chinese ufology community really well. People have a high expectation about what's going to be released. So yes and no, I guess. Not for the mainstream media in China, but it's commonly widely accepted in the Chinese ufology community.
0: And you know what, that makes sense, given you said that you feel they're about 30 years behind in having that conversation, that's probably where mm-hmm. things were in the States and the UK and Europe and the rest of the world 30 years ago, that it was just that smaller community. So it it's probably following a similar timeline, but maybe things will speed up given what's happening. I want to go back, Xiao, to to what you said about famous cases in China. Again, in the West, Roswell is the case everyone would talk about. Mm-hmm. First question is Roswell well known in China as an event and I'll I'll let you come in on that one first yeah
1: yes you're right Andy so Roswell case is actually very famous in China so for any Chinese who just got into the ufology community in China uh, literally 99% people heard about the, you know, Roswell case. And uh, that's, I would say, the most popular case. And also the, what's that called, the Annie Barty Hill? Uh, sorry, I maybe called the wrong name. It's a very famous case about uh, Barney, sorry, the Barney Hill case. Uh, Catherine Martin. Oh,
0: Barney and Betty Hill, yeah. Uh,
1: Barney yep. and Betty Hill, sorry. Catherine Martin is uh, a relative of, um, I think, one of the... Uh, uh, witnesses, so she may able to elaborate more. Mm-hmm. Well, that case is actually quite famous in China too. And Billy Meyer used to be really insanely, crazily popular in China, especially in the community. Everybody following that news, uh, but it's died down a bit. So whatever is popular in the Western world, and it's actually quite popular in China Chinese community, like you know, Corey Good and you know uh, quite a few very famous figures like a Grant Cameron or others. They all heard about those major players in the field. Uh, regardless, everybody's view about certain people, you know, some people may like them, some people don't like them. Doesn't matter, but those are the famous figures in the Western countries, but they also very uh, well known in China as well.
0: Okay, I'm I'm sure a few listeners winced when you said Corey Good because he's very divisive, very very divisive. Yeah, um, but like you say, some some people like, and that's that's up to them. And but many of us are very wary of 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 Mr. Good and what he he peddles. Um, but I, I do want to follow up on. You mentioned there are famous cases within China. What mm. would be China's Roswell uh, if you have the same sort of case?
1: There are quite a few uh, famous cases in China. One that I want to mention is called the Phoenix Mountain case. I think it happened quite a few years ago. So what happened for the Phoenix Mountain case in China was that there was a farmer. He went with his friend or something. They went to the called Phoenix Mountain. or so Phoenix Mountain. On top of the hill, he saw a UFO crop landed on that mountain. So, and they said, what is this? So they try to approach, but when they try to approach the craft, they hear those like very noisy sound or like a low vibration, I don't know, some kind of vibration sound. And he just lost conscious. The next thing he noticed that he's in the craft and the being told him that somehow he had intimacy with a female alien, something like that. And the being told him that 20 years later, we will have a hybrid child whose father is a Chinese farmer. So, why this case became very famous? Because there was a witness right next to him and uh, he claimed that he had a hyperchild and there was a UFO landing. So those are the keywords words hit the media. So UFO landing, aliens and hyperchild with aliens. So that case became very famous and I I could be wrong. I think he mentioned that he did some kind of lie, like uh, some kind of test, and he passed the test. So uh, that makes his words really credible. And even the local authority and they did investigation uh, into the matter. And of course, without uh, no surprise, they, they ridiculed it. It's just, it's bullshit. It's not true. You know standard disinformation. Uh, but that's one of the major cases. In
0: China. I was going to say it's really interesting it sounds very similar to the Calvin Parker case you know Pascagoula where he, he had an abduction experience you know with a friend and there was no intimacy as such at that point but they were experimented on and that has still become a very famous case to today so that, that is really interesting what about is there anything from a, a military point of view like crash retrievals anything like that that comes up or again anything else you want to discuss?
1: There is a crash retrieval. It's going to be related to my second case. For the second case, that's what I heard is um, back in the 90s, uh, there was like a heavy rainy day and a lightning strike, uh, a smaller UFO craft. So according to the witness, the craft is actually not too big, sort of like two meters, something bigger than that. Relatively smaller craft. And the craft actually crashed into the uh, backyard of some kind of a military basin or something like that. And there were two aliens found. One is dead, the other was heavily injured during the midnight when it happened. And they reckon that due to the lightning strike, maybe the UFO lost kind of control, so crashed into the site. And what they found about that extraterrestrials is that that being is not very tall, like maybe 1.5 meters tall, and they look like a mouse. You know, those are mouse, like they got a fur sort of looking. So, more like a smaller um, animal dish looking beings. Um, so, that's what witness said. And then the government had a, you know, the craft retrieval closed down the area, told everyone not to talk about that case. Um, yeah, I still have the contact detail of those people. Just for your own info, if you and your viewers would be interested, I'm more than happy to pass on their contact details to you. And maybe you can interview them too. You know, they, they can dive into deeper about what happened in those cases and uh, how the government reaction towards that.
0: And that's the first time I think I've heard that description of beings being mouse-like. You hear reptilian and lizards and you hear the greys, Nordics, but that sort of, but again, it can all be perception and what they look like at the time but you know i suppose mouse like would still have the big eyes and those kind of features so yeah really interesting description as well and i'll get those details off you too thank you and and you mentioned the the craft being potentially brought down by lightning and we've heard that's been the case several times potentially especially Mm -hmm. with things like roswell that electromagnetic storms or emp pulses can, can potentially Um, bring these craft down and cause issues with their their systems. Have you ever heard of the the Chinese military ever trying to engage any of these objects themselves? Uh,
1: Look, I wouldn't be surprised that they have some kind of interaction with those beings. I don't know which specific type but uh, your question actually really great. leads to the third case which is my favourite case. It's called the Xiaoshan Airport, it's actually translated as a, like a, a Hangzhou Airport case. So Hangzhou is a second tier city in China, Hangzhou. It's actually quite a big city. So why this case is so famous? And uh, uh, is because when the UFO literally landed in that smaller airport, it caused the entire shutdown of the airport. And that's what the news was actually released. Actually, that was actually all over the news in mainstream media, you know, during that time. But pe- what people doesn't know is that's just for the first layer of the information that released to the public. They say, well, there's a UFO. Looks like not just cigar shape, but super long, like a uh, like a stick shake. Um, super super long. It's like a very was it, long. Was it,
0: was it that one? I'm, I'm holding one up here. If you're on YouTube, you'll see that. Yes,
1: the... yes, yes, very similar yeah. to that. Yes, and uh, they got some kind of like you know like a road road lights, you know, different colors. Um, yeah, that's that's the craft people witnessing, and according to so many witnesses, because it's just all over the place during that time, and they measured that craft should have at least a few hundred meters in length. So it's actually quite big craft. And that craft, there are different layers of, you know, the information just for what's actually released on the newspaper. They see the craft, you know, hovering around the airport and caused the entire airport to shut down. That's what's being released. But in fact, there's a second layers. The second layers is for the people who actually at the airport at that time. Remember, there's so many passengers we're talking about at that airport, according to the... The craft, as a matter of fact, landed in the airport. But that information was actually classified confidential information. Um, only for the people who know, you know, um, that's very interesting. But people who actually know that those information are very feared to come out because, you know, they're based in China. They don't want to cause any trouble. Uh, what I also heard is a third layer of the truth, which is the real insight about I need to be very cautious, Andy, about how much I can disclose because I don't want to get into trouble, you know, as I'm trying to have to watch out. Um, without getting to, to deeply too much sensitive information, what I heard, um, I, I I tend to believe that not only the craft landed, but also the bee might come out of the craft. And very likely, uh, uh, they may... I'm just saying from my perspective, you know, it might be possible they have some kind of treaty with the local government. So I'm saying that uh, uh, it's not always the U.S. and all the news about U.S. Think about it. If it's global phenomenon, it can't be China just do nothing, you know. They might have some kind of like a treaty with those beings. We don't know the specific information about the treaty, and even if I know, I'd rather not to talk about it because it would get me into trouble. But rather, I would highly encourage those people as called insiders who actually really know what's going on, to come out to share with people. So that's how much I want to talk about that case. So yeah yeah that, that's
0: yeah. fascinating and that's one that i think people all have seen the picture of where it shows you the craft and again if you saw it on youtube i've done a very quick sketch as you were talking about it because it's it's one that's yeah. kind of burned into my memory
1: and in um, that case i think those beings are very smart because they are not so secretively landed in the airport they make all over the news because when they try to land they try to zoom in you know they got into the airport but Remember, there are so many like in China's very population dense area. The residents in those suburbs, because such a huge crowd, they all can see what's in the sky. So that's why it's so hard for the government to shut them down, because it's just so well known. So many people witnesses you know the case. But what people doesn't know is about what the insiders could share. But I'm not an insider, but I'm saying I encourage the insiders to come out. So uh, that's how much I can dive into deeper about that case.
0: And do you know what? I think of the three superpowers of Russia, China and the US, For if something like that was going to happen, a mass landing, China would be the place that you're most likely to keep that secret and locked down and get as little information out as possible. I think the Russians would be okay, with it maybe but in america that would be that would be worldwide news i think that would be it if, if that happened you couldn't keep that secret to that level now really interesting you mentioned obviously insiders and in china having a treaty potentially mm. very recently china announced it would like to lead efforts at the un to take charge of the discussion around ufo's What do you think about that, Shao? Is that an attempt to wrestle back some control of the narrative from the Americans who are very much leading the way? Or is it something else?
1: Look, uh, people probably doesn't know that um, back in 1978, there was a UN resolution regarding the research into into extraterrestrials. And China is one of the five permanent members of the UN they actually voted for yes. We're talking about the UN resolution back in 1978. So that shows you the government attitude towards this topic. But even though they said yes, that doesn't mean they will support the grassroots civilians to research into this. The Chinese attitude, especially, I mean, the, the government attitude, is they want to do their own little research, just keep everything for themselves. So they don't want to like encourage the civilians or the grassroots, like YouTubers and, you know, the people in the community to sort of overly explore that topic. Everything is heavily politically controlled. So even though they said yes, you know, back in 1978 at the UN, um, they still doesn't really support that kind of research into the topic. But get back to your question regarding the recent UN proposal, um, you have to know that there are a lot of competing interests because I see the um, alien et topic is the last sort of hidden truth from the entire public if the us is going to release which already released the report on the 25th of June um, we would think that China can't just sit here doing nothing right they obviously want to have kind of, show some attitude, like uh, have some reaction towards that. So uh, they can't be lagging behind. So uh, I think that's, that's one of the sort of uh, like a chess play. They try to show people, yes, not only the US and Russia, we are also as a stakeholder in this phenomenon. So we are also looking into this as well. And on top of that, Andy, mind you that, as you can see from the news, China in the last 10 years, Rapidly try to develop their like a space aerospace technology, sending the rockets into the sky. So You can see a lot in the last three or four years. That shows you that not only the US are trying to build up their like a space is that called a space army or space force? I can't remember the name. Russia will do the same. And China also have a competing interest in the space. So, uh, I think that's it's a politics, but also exopolitics. And also the alien beings, you know, if the U.S. is backed up by, you know, this race and that alien race, the China may have a corresponding, their alien uh, allies as well, you know, helping them with certain, I don't know, technology or any advancement of, I don't know, thinking or something else. So they are competing interests, not just among the earthlings, among the governments, but also looking at bigger, grander scale to do with all the beings as well. So we only know very little information. So I wouldn't be surprised that China is also have a treaty, or even more treaties, with multiple beings. Yes.
0: Now, you mentioned China's rapidly expanding space program, and it just got me thinking that um, a couple of years ago, China sent a probe to the the Moon, and they wanted to study the, the dark side of the Moon, which obviously we don't see here on Earth. A lot of people talk about beings that may or may not be based on Earth have potentially structures or objects on the moon that again if we could see that with a telescope or you know that was on nasa's page that would be that would be huge news and former astronauts have talked about that as well did you ever hear anything about china's probe that was sent up and anything that may or may not have come back
1: well i can i can say these are yet to be verified i haven't really done the verification double check yet so what i heard from my friend is that after China sent that little, like a uh, uh, landing rose, or whatever, that little robot thing to the back of the mast, I think that's a bit of like exploration for a few days. And what's interesting is Donald Trump's reaction. I heard from my friends say, Shall you better just double check on the Twitter? I say, What's going on? They say, After China did that, Donald Trump sent a Twitter message, uh, drop a line, something like, now, something amount the line like China now know the truth behind the moon or something on the line, you know, I need to check the Twitter message uh so that sent you uh a message that maybe Trump tried to hint China now know what's going on behind the moon, so what's really behind the moon? We don't know you know we we're waiting for the government to tell us, but uh, but we can guess what's behind the moon. I think that's that's quite clear now. So and what's interesting is about the Chinese reaction. After that, China all of a sudden started the soft disclosure movement. So because everything is so politically controlled, so what they did is after that incident, they tried to let people explore the topic of uh, science fiction. So science fiction all of a sudden become really popular. Science fiction movies, science fiction books, um, yeah, every they really control the narrative about UFO disclosures.
0: There's some really interesting stuff there, in... Next time I speak to you, go, I'll go into more detail on that. But I've got a few more things I want to discuss, especially that came up within the listener questions. You yourself have talked about uh, and you mentioned out-of-body experiences earlier and you've talked about uh, experiences with ET from different parts of the universe, different dimensions, and you've had negative and positive experiences. When did these experiences begin for you? Uh,
1: my experience a very gradual level. So... I believe it started when I was, you know, at a birth, but I don't remember anything. So my conscious recall was really happened after my first UFO sighting. And then, you know, I write down my diary. I do record everything. So all the strange, fingers crossed, phenomena happened after the first UFO sighting. But it was a very gradual level. It was very distant. You know, firstly, it was like out-of-body experience and then lucid dreaming. So those are like a non-invasive counter modalities. And it was like, you know, once every two months, very minor. And then gradually start to become very intense and very frequent and more sort of confrontings. To the degree that you know, maybe you have a being standing in front of you, you know, talking to you, you know, something like that. So uh, yeah, it's it's a very gradual level. And also, you are correct about that. You know, I had a very positive encounters. Most of them are very positive. Um, some of them are very neutral. You know, business like they just want to you know check you out, see what you're doing. And there are a few could be very negative. You know, not very pleasant. So I had a a very full spectrum of uh experiences so yeah
0: why do you think not only you because it's i think it's very obvious to ask why are you having these experiences but also in general why as a species are we having these experiences or contacts at all
1: um i think they are getting us prepared for what's coming because if you don't get those experiences when the veil is, you know, removed, it would be such a confronting shock to us. So better to do it through gradual sort of entry, you know, like, uh, you know, have a gradual experience. To now, you know, if, if people tell you, Andy, you know, this is real, this is happening, if next day you really see a physical crowd waiting for you, you wouldn't be that kind of surprise. I think it's happening to everyone, um, but... I think they are just getting us prepared for a big event that about to happen. So that's, that's, that's what I believe.
0: Now I'll ask you this question then. Okay. Just to push a bit deeper. And this is me playing devil's advocate here. And you're a lawyer. You'll be used far, far more used to this than I Now. If this happens to you or me or or someone who doesn't have a platform to speak on, you know, just your, your, I, I'm your average person on the street as well, but someone who doesn't have a podcast, okay, um, like one of those farmers, it happens to them, it's a very isolated experience because you can only take their word for it. However, if you are these beings and you want to ready people, why would they not go for presidents and politicians and the heads of military and give them those experiences, really intense experiences, because surely that would then ring alarm bells for them to then have that conversation potentially. What do you think about that?
1: That's a great question. I mean, I think on some level, everyone on this planet have encountered those beings, you know, extra-dimensional, interdimensional, different density, all sorts of beings. And I do believe it's a global phenomenon that happens to everyone, but towards a different degree. You know, people may have a, you know considered them as angel or demon or whatever, you know, from the religious lens, but we may see them as just simply it's so those world leaders, from my opinion, according to my opinion, I do believe they have encounters. But to some being, like some presidents, you know, like Obama and those people, they may get a full briefing. They know what's going on precisely. They may meet those beings in person, physical handshakes, where to some other key players in the field, you know, holding very important positions, they may not privileged. privileged to certain information like this. Um, just for example, I mean, just like a minister of, I don't know, like education, I'm just making that up, you know. He or she may not privilege to that level of intelligence, but the beings may encounter him or her through like dream state. So I do believe they have some level of download, but the issue is here, Andy, everybody is so different. Those people holding the key positions, they may not be as nice or conscious as you and the viewers so their reaction to those beings or how to handle that situation could be very different for us we can say oh well that's great maybe they can teach us and help us for those politicians they may see them as a threat to you know Uh, overturn the political sort of regime or whatever so they may take a different approach towards those beings so for them knowing too much may not necessarily benefit the humanity as a whole so that's that's what i think yeah they do have experience but they don't really view those experience as beneficial for themselves
0: and one of your other areas, and you have many, of expertise is in like, ancient civilizations. That's something you've talked about and you've done a, a lecture on that, our presentation at Contact in the Desert as well, that's currently ongoing. Um, now, what initially attracted you to ancient civilizations as a topic? I suppose it may go hand in hand with UFOs, but you've got quite a lot there that you're you're fitting into a relatively short time as well.
1: Well, to be completely honest, I was meant to talk about Chinese ufology in the uh, content in the desert, but uh, also being friendly told by uh, someone say, "Shao, you need to watch out because your background is Chinese. We would hope that you don't catch too much attention from the CCP." So just for my safety concern and others, uh, that's why I choose one of the conservative topics, which is you know ancient. Millions. Um, it's firstly, it's fun. It's interesting. We talk about uh, what the ancient Chinese is like. You know, trace back to the ancient Sumerians and the ancient Egyptians, but also it ties to the origin of China. You know, uh, connection with Orion, the Pleiades, and Sirius, and other many other star systems too. So I think it's it's an interesting topic, but also not overly sensitive that could get me into trouble Uh, to be completely honest that's one of the major reasons why I choose that topic I'm more than happy to share wow like big sensitive information with everyone but I need to watch out because you may not know that I've been told by the CCP back in um, early 2019. They are watching me. So I need to be very careful about what I can say, what I can't say, to be honest. So, yeah.
0: And do you know what? That's, that's totally fair. That's very, very fair. Um, we're living in a time right now where UFO and UAPs are a hot topic of discussion and no doubt that'll be more so a reason that unfortunately you you get monitored by the ccp uh, and other people who who want to do what you do as well there's a lot of talk that some of these objects may originate from here on our planet already and when you talk about ancient civilizations do, do you feel there's a real connection between some of these objects we see especially from the the u.s military videos that are coming out that they're potentially based here on this planet already?
1: I think so. I think there are some man-made crafts. Uh, the one which I just sent to Grant Cameron today is actually triangular-shaped craft hovering on top of, you know, the, the, called the bound in Shanghai, which is CBD area. Huge craft. So I think that could be a man-made craft, not necessarily is related to ETs. So when we talk about now, they call it UAP now, not just UFO. Uh, We're talking about a craft that could be man-made, could be an alien technology, or could be, you know, some some craft are non-material, Andy. Some craft are purely sort of shaped by, you know, high technology. It's called like a, energy just pure energy craft it's, it's very interesting it's beyond comprehension um yeah yeah i think so
0: I'll segue into listener questions because a few things that I want to touch on are going to be within the body of those as well. Um, the first one from Dave is, why do you think the CCP has supported the formation of UFO groups uh, and the links potentially to government? And what is the experience of unauthorized Chinese ufologists?
1: Yeah, so... Uh... At the beginning, it was due to technology reason. You know, we're talking about back in 90s and people read hard copy books more often. And 90s period, that's where the internet started to, you know, uh, become popular. So, but I think the golden period for Chinese ufology were 2005 to 2018, But after 2018, starting from 2019, everything being shut down. So, Dave, thank you so much for your question. I mean, uh, everything is a period. I think in the last two to three years, China actually, CCP, have a crackdown on ufology community, which is quite obvious. So I do think it's a tightened control in this field in the last two two uh, two to three years. So, yeah. But prior to that was a golden period for Chinese ufology.
0: And what is the experience now of, I suppose, unauthorised ufologists in China? If, if they're having a discussion like you're having, but you're based in Australia, but you're still getting those warnings and monitoring, what happens if you're trying to do this in China as a ufologist as much as you can say?
1: Let me give you a case, Dave. Um, a few years ago, there's a uh, a female ufology uh, u- uh, ufologist uh, her pen name is Love and the Light. She was sharing some light messages from pleadians, you know, love and light, this and that, standard stuff, you know, you see everywhere on the YouTubes. One day she's been caught by the CCP um, on uh, based on two grounds one is illegal rallies. Because in China, if you wanna gather people for more than forty people, you know each service is quite different. You have to get a special permit or approval from the local government. Otherwise, you can't have small gatherings. She doesn't have the small gathering permit. That's why they label her as you know, a prosecute her under the ground of um, illegal rallies. Second, uh, call her as you know, alien cult, like almost like illegal religious cult. And then she's been sentenced to jail for eight years, full sentence, no, uh, no parole. So that's telling you how serious it is in China to promote ufology. Just for the people like her, with a pen name of love and lie, just talking about something, you know, daily stuff. Or the Palladium said this and that, love and lie, you know, treat each other like a brother and sister. Just standard stuff. She's been sentenced to jail for eight years. Imagine what if I'm actually in China now, that could be the same fate for me. So lucky that I'm based in Sydney, Australia. So that's why I want to share that uh, the situation for a lot of ufologists in China are very, uh, you sort of quite dangerous. So you need to be very mindful and articulate about what message you can share or not to share. Like the case I shared with Andy about, you know, the Hangzhou airport. I'm more than happy to share more exciting, uh, interesting info, but I don't want to get into trouble. So I can only touch on the keywords and leave as it is. So, yeah.
0: And next up, we had Derek. And Derek wants to know, what are Shao's thoughts on Atlantis? And did she think it existed? And that potentially a few survivors spread their knowledge to the pyramid builders on different continents?
1: Thank you, Derek. Thanks for your question. Yes, I'm 100% believe that Atlantis did exist. And uh, so many of us had an incarnation as Atlantean back in those times. And I even had a lucid dreaming from Atlantean. They told me to use crystals. Um, I do believe it's a highly advanced civilization. And not only Atlantis, but also Lemurians uh, did exist back back in old days.
0: And Derek also follows up with, do you think they could be living under the Antarctic ice and operating new APs today?
1: That, that depends which phrase. Look, it's just I'm expressing my opinion because Atlantis is such a big topic. And there's so many experts on this area. I believe Atlantis um, had quite a few major periods in their history. So when we talk about their uh, location, geographical location, so, the early stage to the middle stage of Atlantis spread around, you know, sort of between the um, Atlantis field, what you call it the eastern part of the US and the western part of Europe. Those, those areas are huge. And then they have some kind of issue and then they shrink a bit. So, it depends which phrase of the history that uh, Derek is referring to. But I do believe it's sort of around those regions.
0: And I'll follow up on that is is there anything you've done in your research or you've heard about Antarctica now it's a quite a fascinating place and there's lots of stories and rumors about what may or may not have gone on there it gets as extreme as you know Nazi bases under the ice with alien hybrids and Nazis and then the US were there and the Russians the Chinese were there what do you think is so special about Antarctica and and why it has this place within ufology or ufo's
1: Um, I have a theory, just from my own opinion. Um, I think there are many interesting places hidden underneath of the ice or underground. But the reason why in the last few days people pay more attention to this area is due to deliberate narrative control by the intelligence community. I do feel there's a push from those communities want to want people to focus in this area. So they give you those like a little drip drop information, just like entice you, you know, look into this, but they don't want to tell you too much because they see the ufology field is quite dangerous for them. So they want to give you a direction where to focus, but they also don't want to give you too much information. So I think in the last few years, they want us to focus on Antarctica because You know, they might have a military base or maybe that's where the human species uh, originally came from. I don't know. But uh, at least what I want to focus on that question is that I do believe it's actually a deliberate narrative control by the intelligence community. They want us to focus in this area by just giving us that little information, not much, just enough. Um, Yeah.
0: I always find Antarctica as a place fascinating, and you hear so many different stories and narratives about what may or may not be there, what may have gone on in the past. But it's it's one I like to talk about now and again. And I've not done enough, so um, also Derek wants and, to know.
1: Sorry, do, I I, yeah, I Just quickly jumping. There's one more place people can focus on. There's so many fascinating places, so that's why the intelligence community they want us to focus in this area because there are more more places are more important than. Antarctica from my perspective. You know, the biggest, the biggest pyramid on this planet, what I heard from a friend of mine, is actually in Bolivia. That's the biggest pyramid. And what they found in these pyramids are fascinating. So I think that's more interesting for us to focus on. that people need to dive in, like who built those pyramids, the biggest one on this planet, and what's actually inside. But they don't want you to even know. So rather they change our direction and focus in different areas. I mean, don't get me wrong, Antarctica is a very fascinating place. But I think we also need to keep our eyes open for different topics as well. So, yeah.
0: I mean, I'm quite happy to touch on it now. Is there much more you can talk about with that pyramid in Bolivia as to the contents or, or anything, you know, particularly special around it?
1: Yeah, um, I have a friend of mine who actually uh, went to that pyramid and she said to me that she met the uh, the first guy who actually discovered Bolivia's pyramid. Um, but that guy's been hunted down by the community. I mean, the intelligence community really, you know, uh, and demeaned him, ridiculed him, ruined his reputation and everything, made his life really miserable for the purpose of you know crushing so that nobody will look into this site anymore but that draws me more interest because what's really hidden there why don't they want to people know that there is a biggest pyramid in Bolivia what's hidden that what's underneath of it could be some real deal stuff that we need to focus on do you think if it, look if it's just a pyramid why pay that much emphasis and do so much damage to that guy and I do believe that there's something for them to hide so uh, yeah.
0: Now Graham has a good question and this is a quite a sensitive subject especially when you want to talk about China, the CCP and other things. Are there any records of incursions of UFOs around Chinese nuclear facilities like you know missile silos, power power plants or research facilities?
1: I don't know That's the answer. I really don't know that much information. It's not released on the news and I don't really pay much attention to those hot spots as well because it's quite sensitive. So my answer is I don't know. I'm sorry.
0: No, that's okay. And from a a US point of view, one of the big focuses on the conversation Mm -hmm. is to do with the link between these, these objects and nuclear power. So is yeah. it just a case of China is very very tight lipped on that side of the subject when it comes to nuclear weapons? Yeah,
1: I absolutely agree with you, um, Andy. I think they're very tight lipped about that topic. And even if that's the case, you wouldn't see this information on the news. The only people who who would know would be the people who actually work there. They would tell you, you know, I saw the sighting. They shut down the this and that. But I don't know anyone actually worked there, so I can't really. Have any information to share? But just as you know, ordinary person, my guess would be that would be the case because those beings doesn't want to see a nuclear, you know, explosion anywhere on this planet, especially at this time right now. So I heard that for the UFO, uh, sorry, the nuclear planet in different countries, they were intend to have quite a few, you know, nuclear, you know, nuclear explosion, but didn't happen. Due to, you know, extraterrestrials' intervention. So I do believe that we are protected at this stage.
0: I'd like to ask you on this, and um, this will just be your opinion, and it's this is just it's not coming from a place of any knowledge. But a lot of people talk about when it comes to to the biological nuclear weapons, the more advanced weaponry that we have now as a species and a human race the really devastating stuff, people say we won't be allowed to use it because ETs or other races, whether they are based on this planet or elsewhere, wouldn't allow it. However, we had Hiroshima and Nagasaki very close together and there is a lot of nuclear testing that does go on on the planet at any given time. Why do you think those incidents and the testing is allowed to happen? Yet people seem quite confident that, they won't let us have a nuclear war. They would just turn these things off.
1: That's a brilliant question. You know, I thought about that before. Um, My, according to my opinion, is that people can't be too naive. That means they can't always count down, on, like a fully 100% countdown on those beings. They may tell you, you know, one version of the story, but they do things differently. I mean, from my perspective, Whatever happened on this planet, those beings may have certain control of the situation, but they can't really micromanage other so many different situations. So yes, they may have some level of interference try to stop this, stop that, but that doesn't mean they have 100% full control on the world's major governments. You know, what they can do, they can't do. So they can only mitigate... I use the word of mitigate the risk for humanity, but that doesn't mean they are able to stop all the negativity happens on this planet right now. So people need to, uh, you know, uh, not see the reality show, but be real, you know, what alien can do, what they can't do. Um, even my like spirit guides, you know, they may tell me blah, 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 this and that, but that doesn't mean everything will be fulfilled 100%. So you always need to, do a discernment check. You know, you believe half and, you know, yeah. always give yourself a bit of uh, a, a room to think about it also. So, yeah.
0: There were some really good questions there. I do have a couple more, but we'll save those for the Patreon section that I'll I'll go through with Shao just when we finish up. Shao, before we wrap up the, the main portion of the programme, I always like to do a quick fire round and just ask your opinion, just a few words or a little bit more if you want, on a few different topics that we've not talked about yet, if you don't mind. And if you don't have any particular opinion, we can move on from it. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, sure.
0: Um, what are your thoughts on CE5 as a practice?
1: Uh, CE5 is actually, it's a very powerful initiation. Uh, But the downside about CE5 is you need to make sure everybody in your group have a pure good intention without any fear. So what I heard is some people, if they don't reach certain consciousness level, or if they are not purely positive, you may not able to summon a cry. So making sure that you have the proper uh, gathering. So I do really support the CE5 activities, actually. I think it's actually a really good way to uh, initiate with certain beings, yes.
0: Do you prefer the term UFO or UAP?
1: Um, Both, but I would prefer UAP because if you say UFO, certain politicians will play dumb, say, "Whoa, what do you mean by UFO? But if you say UAP, they have to answer your questions now, so...
0: Yes, that's a very good point. Yep, it's a very good point. And what does disclosure mean to you?
1: Well, that's a a big topic. Disclosure for me is multiple big events happening simultaneously on the same day. Disclosure means... You know, we may have a kundalini awakening means what's happening in the past. So we recall everything happening in our life, like a, a quick life review. Big, uh, disclosure also means once you fully awakened, you can see through all the bullshit. That means we will see what's going on in the world. So disclosure is actually able to trigger quite a few major events. Uh, disclosure also means that UFO landing full disclosure. So disclosure means quite a few things. And I do believe in all those major events may happen simultaneously at the same time, at the same day. Yeah. So there are two messages that I want to share to the viewers. We, When we talk about the ufology, because everybody like you and I have a different, I call it like a, like a screenplay or, you know, how we have a blueprint of our life, what we want to experience. Some people may want to have a counter modality through religion. You know, like us could be ufology. Other people may have, I don't know, like a, a shaman experience. So everybody's quite different. So I think it's very important for people not to just focus on the phenomenon itself. You know, there's a light in the sky. What a being look like, humanoid, or animal-like, I don't care. It's it's all roads leads to Rome. That core is for people to have a consciousness awakening. So what I've been told when I was on a the craft, they also mentioned to me that, you know, you can't just stop evolving. You have to have life transformation. So every time when I share with my Chinese view, I always share the same messages. Now you have no idea how stubborn I was a few years ago. Totally different person compared with now. So for the people who are actually in the community, I want to let you know that whatever you know in this entire community, the UFO, the craft, doesn't matter. The most important thing is how you actually take the message use for yourself to have life transformation? What does ET encounter mean to you? That's the core. How are you going to use that to benefit for yourself? So I think that's, I just want to leave as a question for the viewer to think about. The second message I want to share is Chinese ufology community is very special. What I actually found is how Chinese personality traits or characters because we are from, you know, a communist country, Andy. So our ideology, way of thinking, and even Japanese, I know, they are not communist country, but, you know, Japanese or Koreans or Thailands you know, the Thai people, they are very different. A lot of people just focus on those people, like how those race, because they have a different ideology, different culture background, they have a different reaction towards their, like, experiences i found this is a very fascinating field to dive into and why am i incarnate as a chinese but you incarnate as you know a, a british for example like what's that mean for your soul journey it's very different because i was you know from my past incarnations i was americans i was africans and this lifetime a chinese so what's that really mean for us that's more philosophical but also it's going to uh have more awakening awareness for our soul level so i hope everybody learned our life lessons properly that's the two messages i want to share thanks
0: absolutely and i think that open-mindedness is what people need in this subject that you've got to listen to everyone and everyone's opinion and everyone's stories but you know go on your own journey make up your own mind and and just be prepared that you know your opinion for me should always be fluid in the subject as well because we don't know everything and like you say as you move along whether it's this life or the next or whatever happens next, it's going to be a different experience for you as well. Now, Shao, how can people follow you and get in touch with you?
1: Sure, they can add me on Facebook. So uh, just uh, Facebook search me, Shao Ma. Shao is S-H-A-O. Last name is Ma, M-A. They can find me on Facebook, add me, or just email me. My email address is Shao, S-H-A-O dot M-A at hotmail.com um, yeah email me or at me on facebook i can be um, in touch and uh, feel free to send me any questions
0: i'll make sure those are in the description as well Shao is going to stay with me for a little bit longer over at patreon.com the premium or on apple podcast subscriptions if you've got access to those you can hear some more questions with myself and xiao so xiao thank you for this portion of the show
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. It's such a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much, Andy. Thanks, everyone.
0: That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet, and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak. More and more, you can sign up at Patreon.com forward slash ThatUFOPodcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That UFO Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little around. game